Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Got a tremendous show for you as we're going to be joined in the second segment by Jeff Sheesby, better known as the old man who bets. Going to be absolutely tremendous. We're going to be getting his thoughts on the first couple weeks of the season. Some of the teams that have been overachieving, underachieving. Will we see some regression with some of these squads? And just gather his thoughts on some of the weekend series as well. So we're going to have a good chat in the second segment. In the final segment, I'm going to be giving you guys a side in total on every game on the MLB betting board for Friday. And a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions. If there's something that you'd like answered on this podcast, fire it into my timeline at JaresCourty1. If you send these via DM, aka direct message, well, the letters DM to me mean does not matter. Really did not get in anything for today, so let's take a look back at what was a very high-scoring day in the MLB on Thursday. Try to find some trends. Try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Overs were hitting at about a 30 or so percent clip the last two days. That certainly turned around on Thursday as you wound up seeing the Baltimore Orioles all of a sudden score some runs, but they can't avoid a four-game sweep at the hands of the COVID Miami Marlins. 8-7 to seven the final in this one for the Miami Marlins. Jonathan VR was able to get his first home run of the campaign. That was off of one Wade LeBlanc as VR wound up going 3-5 of five in this game. And for the Miami Marlins, 
Jordan Yamimoto wound up getting the start in this one, and it didn't go as planned. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of four innings. From there, you wound up having Mr. Jorge Guzman come in, and he wound up giving up two runs in an inning of relief. Brandon Kitzler got the save, but he gave up a run in the process. And Brad Boxberger with another scoreless inning. So good for our good buddy Brad. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they were able to hit some deep flies as well. Renato Nunez, he hits two in this one, his third and fourth of the campaign. You also had Cisco, not to be confused with the guy that sang the thong song, but rather Chance Cisco get his first home run of the campaign. And then Dwight Smith Jr. was also able to get his second of the campaign, but Wade LeBlanc did not give this team the length that you'd desire. Three and a third innings gave up six runs, all of which were in. Bullpen actually wasn't terrible for the Baltimore Orioles. You did have Evan Phillips give up two runs out of the pen, but by and large, they wound up going a combined four and two-thirds innings. They gave up in the process two runs. Very awkward game in this one because you have the Baltimore Orioles playing at Camden Yards and they were the road team. That's just what 2020 is providing you. And for the Miami Marlins, now is 6-1. and one. If you're doing it by win percentage, they have set themselves up very well for the playoffs. How, why, we don't know it is 2020. And in 2020, you see teams like the Chicago Cubs that entered in 10-2 get absolutely smoked by the Kansas City Royals. For the Royals, they get a 13-2 win in this one. Tyler Chatwood, who had two very good starts coming into this one. He recorded a grand total of seven outs, and he gave up eight runs, of which were earned. That was not necessarily great. Dwayne Underwood Jr. came in behind him, two in the third innings from him. He gave up three runs. And then you had Craig Kimbrell come into the lowest pressure spot humanly possible, and he still gave up a run in an inning. He lowered his ERA from a 32.4 to a 23.63. Congratulations there. And then the other bullpen arm that wound up giving up a run, Dan Winkler, as for the Chicago Cubs, really didn't generate a lot of offense in this one. Seven men left on base. And for the Kansas City Royals, just a hit parade in this one. Mikel Franco gets his third home run in the campaign. Whit Merrifield, his fourth home run over the last 11 days. He is hot. Jorge Soler, his third of the campaign. And for the Royals, Brad Keller in his first start of the campaign looked very solid. Five scoreless innings, seven strikeouts, kept the walks to a minimum. Bullpen from there winds up being able to go four innings. He gave up those two runs. Kevin McCarthy wound up giving up two runs in two innings. And then you had Kyle Zimmer, two scoreless innings of relief. And for the Chicago Cubs, they continue to have the worst bullpen ERA out there in the big league. So that certainly is of note. Something else that is of note, the Arizona Diamondbacks have won two straight games and neither of those games wound up going under the total. This one was a push as they wind up taking down the Houston Astros by kind of five before for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Zach Gallen once again goes for a start in which he gives up three runs or fewer. He has now made, I believe it is, 18 career starts and has never given up three plus runs. He goes six innings, gives up two in this one. You did have, coming out of the bullpen, Stefan Kiktrin. He winds up giving up two runs and only records two outs, but this is a bunch in the Arizona Diamondbacks that was able to get Cole Calhoun going. He wound up having the walk-off hit that wound up winning this game, a two-RBI single. And for the Houston Astros, how about a very good start from their young man in Brandon Belak. He winds up going five scoreless settings in this one. He was terrific. He turned it over to the bullpen, and they could not close it out for them. As Chris Need winds up giving up three runs while recording one out, and then Ryan Presley, he doesn't even record an out in the ninth inning. He loads up the bases. He gives up that hit to Cole Calhoun. Thanks for showing up, boys. So, Belak certainly has a little bit of flack to be able to give his teammates, and I was actually talking with his brother prior to the game. I told him, I wish his brother good luck. The bullpen, not so much, and that's exactly how it played out. And for the Houston Astros, pair of home runs in this one. Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve, both their third home runs of the campaign, so they were able to get on the board there. And the Cleveland Indians, 
14 games in, they finally get their second over of the year. They just absolutely lambaste the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 13 to nothing. It was just the endless seventh inning as they got a touchdown and a field goal in the seventh as for the Cincinnati Reds. Luis Castillo was not long for this game, but he was certainly better than the bullpen. He winds up going five innings. He gives up three runs. Big bug move for him has always been walks, and he gave up four in this one, but he did get nine punch outs. He did wind up giving up a home run as well for the Cleveland Indians. Two home runs in this one, both off the bat of Jose Ramirez. He winds up getting his third and fourth of the campaign. And for the Cincinnati Reds, how about this dreadful bullpen? They wind up giving up over the course of three innings, 10 runs as Mr. Jose De Leon. He winds up recording five outs. He gives up eight runs, all of which were earned. He now has a 43.2 ERA and with a 16.2 ERA, Cody Reed. So there is that. And for the Cincinnati Reds, just nothing doing on this day as Carlos Carrasco, six scoreless innings. He did give up four walks, but only one hit in this one. And then the bullpen from there, including Adam Plutko, who has been a starter for this team this year, all were able to provide scoreless innings. So the Indians keep that going in. I don't think the Indians have given up more than five runs in a single game so far this year. I had someone asking me how the Cleveland Indians keep playing unders. Well, when you fail to score four-plus runs in pretty much all your games except for this one, and you never give up more than four runs, that's a good recipe for unders. What else is a good recipe for unders? Have a guy throw a complete game. That's exactly what the LA Angels did. They get a 6-1 win over the Seattle Mariners. For LA, Max Stassi. How about what he's been able to do? Fourth home run of the campaign. That was off of one Nestor Cortez Jr. And then you had Shoei Otani get his third home run of the campaign. That was off of Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker has just never been able to stay healthy. And now his ERA is not healthy as it's a 579. He goes three and two-thirds innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there, they give up two runs over the course of... Five and a third innings with Cortez giving up that home run. And for the Seattle Mariners, Daniel Vogelback was able to get to Dylan Bundy in this game. His first home run of the campaign. But for Mr. Bundy, a complete game. He winds up giving up that home run. But 10 punch outs. Did not walk a guy. 107 pitches. He was able to be very efficient for this one. And for the LA Angels, 2 of 11 with men in scoring position. Mike Trout winds up going 1 of 5. But they certainly were able to get the job done thanks to some solid pitching. There was actually some solid pitching on the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. As it looked like this game might get away from them early. But they were able to take down the New York Yankees by a count of 5-4. to four. In this one for the New York Yankees, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Gary Sanchez. That is his first of the campaign that came off of Nick Pavetta. Zach Eflin was supposed to be on a 60-pitch limit. He winds up throwing 77 in this one over the course of four innings. He gives up two unearned runs. He was able to punch out five. Pavetta winds up giving up that home run, but for the bullpen of the Phillies, going five innings and giving up two runs against the New York Yankees, not too shabby. You had JT Riomuto being able to get his second home run in two days as well. He goes deep off of Jordan Montgomery and started the campaign and for Montgomery. Not a good start in this one. He winds up going four innings, gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Jonathan Holder was able to provide some relief along David Hale. They combined for four innings. They don't give up a single run in the process, so they were able to do that. And Luke Voigt had a chance to take the lead in this game for a three-run home run. Just fell short in the ninth inning. Speaking of falling just short, that'd be the Toronto Blue Jays. They wind up losing to the Atlanta Braves by a count of 4-3. Nick Markakis, who wound up opting out of the season earlier, he opted back in. Well, he opted into the chance to be able to hit a walk-off home run for the Atlanta Braves. He did so in the ninth inning. That was off of Wilmer Fontu. Now has a 27 ERA. It has not been going well for him. It has been going solidly for Nate Pearson, though. He winds up in this start going five innings. He gives up three runs in the process. 
process. And then from there, the bullpen was doing a pretty solid job as AJ Cole and company were able to put together three scoreless innings before Mr. Font came in. And Bo Bichette was able to get his first home run of the campaign. That was off of Tuki Toussaint, who also gave the Atlanta Braves a solid start. For Toussaint, six and two-thirds innings, he does give up three runs, but nine strikeouts, he was able to give some good length. Bullpen from there, Shane Green, Mark Melanson, along with Tyler Madsek, they wind up being able to do their job. A combined two and a third innings of scoreless baseball from them. And for the Atlanta Braves, all of a sudden, they've been able to do a very good job of being able to piecemeal some of these games together. They have played now three out of their last five games to the under, and they've certainly been able to get the job done as they have now been winners of four out of their last five. Speaking of winners of multiple games in a row, the Milwaukee Brewers. They take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of eight to three, and the bats finally awoke, and Christian Yelich gets the cheapest inside-the-park home run you're ever going to find. Eli Jimenez was going back on a can of corn ball. He winds up getting tangled up. He falls into the stands, and Christian Yelich gets a home run in the process. So there was that. And then Jed Gurko got a home run that actually flew over the fence. Those were both off of former Milwaukee Brewers. Not so great Gio Gonzalez. As for Gonzalez, four to the third innings, he gives up five runs, four of which were earned, including those two bombs. And then from there, Steve Ciszek wound up giving up three runs out of the bullpen. As for the Chicago White Sox, they were able to get a deep shot off of Lurie's Garcia, his third of the campaign. They came off of Josh Limblum, the former KBO MVP. Five innings of two-run baseball in this one. Not too bad. Freddie Peralta, three innings of long relief. He doesn't give up a run. And then you had one unearned run given up by Eric Yardley. So the bullpen was able to do its job for the Milwaukee Brewers. And this, despite the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers stranded 15 men on base. I am not even kidding. And yet the overcash in this one. So we could all be rest assured there. The under certainly hit in this Rockies versus Giants game. Had it not hit, it would have been a bad beat. As going into the bottom of the sixth inning, it was 0-0. And the Colorado Rockies wind up plating five runs in the seventh to be able to get a 6-4 win. In that seventh inning, you wound up having a pair of home runs. As Charlie Blackman was able to get his second of the campaign. And then you had Daniel Murphy also get his second earlier in the game. Trevor Story was able to get his fifth of the campaign. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a bunch that actually got a very good start out of Former Colorado Rocky Tyler Anderson. Five scoreless innings. They turned to the bullpen, and they turned to a defeat. As you wound up having Wandy Peralta give up one of those home runs. You had also in the process Caleb Barger give up two runs, and Rico Garcia was not good in this one. He winds up giving up three runs without recording in a single out. And for the San Francisco Giants, they were able to get a three-run shot of their own. Mariko Dubin winds up going deep. That was his first home run of the campaign. As for the Colorado Rockies, they wound up getting a very solid start out of Kyle Freeland. He wound up giving up that home run, but six and two-thirds innings, he was able to do his job. Bullpen from there, very solid. Jardio Diaz, a four-out save. And Yancey Almonte winds up giving up one run in one inning, so he was able to hold down the fort there. And speaking of being able to hold down the fort, the swinging Oakland A's were able to do so against the Texas Rangers. They wind up being able to get a 6-4 win in this one. For Oakland, they were powered by a four-run fourth inning, and they were able to get the third home run in two days out of Matt Olson, his fourth of the season. That was big, and Mike Fires. He certainly let the game on fire a little bit later as he wound up giving up two runs in the seventh inning. He goes six plus innings, giving up four runs in the process. But TJ McFarland, Yasmero Petit, and Liam Hendricks, they had his back for. Hendricks, his fourth save of the campaign. They wind up going a combined three innings, not giving up a single run. They didn't give up five hits, but they were able to put out the fire. And for Mike Miner, we thought that regression would be coming from in 2019. It said it's come from in 2020. Gives up five runs over the course of five innings. Bullpen from there was not necessarily terrible. You did have one run given up by Jolie Rodriguez, but by and large, they wind up going three innings, giving up one run in the process. But for the Oakland A's, a team that was playing a whole bunch of unders to begin the year, and they had scored more than three runs in regulation just once prior to the last game 
game of their series against the Seattle Mariners. They have now done so three times. I say three times because they wound up having that walk-off grand slam against the Texas Rangers, but in three of their last four, they certainly have erupted with the bats. And speaking of erupting with the bats, that'd be the Pittsburgh Pirates. They walked the plank to a 6-5 win for the Minnesota Twins. They had things started in this game early with a Miguel Sano three-run home run. For Sano, don't you know, that is his third home run of the campaign. And then you had Eddie Rosario get his third of the campaign, along with Byron Buxton, his first of the season. And for Kenta Maeda, not a great but not a terrible start. He gives up three runs over the course of six innings for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Gregory Polanco was able to go yard. That was his first of the season. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they wound up trotting out there. JT Burbaker, it was his first start of his career. He winds up giving up that home run to Sano, so it didn't go as planned. Three innings. He gives up three runs. And then from there, you got some long relief out of Cody Ponce. He winds up giving up two runs in three innings. But then Chris Stratton, along with Sam Howard, were able to hold down the fort for the final three innings. And the Pittsburgh Pirates able to walk this game off as... Taylor Rogers just was unable to close out this game. He gets one out in the ninth inning, but he gives up two runs, and Submergio Romo also gave up a run in relief as well as for the Minnesota Twins. Their second straight over after they had played, I believe it was five out of their last six games to the under. So that is what we all noticed from Major League Baseball on Thursday. Now let's talk to our man, the old man who bets, Jeff Sheesby, about what he's seen so far this year, some of the angles that he's taking a look at, along with some of the teams that he thinks are going to have regression slash progression this season. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast by Self-Guide Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. Here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to have on our next guest. We've got Jeff, a.k.a. the old man who bets. And it's Jeff with a G on this one. And he does terrific work. He works out there with CBS New York. He does some work with 1.37 p.m. as well. And a variety of different other things as well as oldmanwhobets.com. And you can follow him on Twitter. It's simple enough, old man who bets all together, no underscores, no spaces or anything like that. As it is, Jeff Sheesby joining me on the podcast. And Jeff, great to have you aboard, my friend. How are you? Greg, doing great, man, as well as I can in these trying times. Appreciate you having me back. It is great to have you back, and it is great to have baseball back in our lives as well. I've been very pumped up for the season, and we're about two or so weeks through. And what have been some of your big takeaways? Because obviously, this is a very strange season, and I can tell you right now, I am so glad that I did not fire on futures, just because I feel like if you would have bet on futures, you'd be the victim of bait and switch at this point, because we've seen changes with the playoff format, Double headers, extra innings, list goes on and on. You just had no idea what you were diving into if you wound up taking these season win totals. Yeah, the season has been crazy. You know, you said it before, grateful to have sports back, but every day seems like the narrative could be different. Uh, we got seven innings today. The Yankees absolutely abysmal. And we've got teams missing half their players, games being postponed. I think the Phillies are playing something like 54 games in the next 56 days. It's going to be a, a wild ride in terms of starting lineups, in terms of finishing games, in terms of finishing the season. But, you know, again, my fingers, my toes, my eyes, everything I can cross are indeed crossed. Oh, absolutely. It's just one of these things where I'm glad that we've got baseball back in our lives. And what have you noticed just with regards to the first few weeks of the season with regards to a betting standpoint? Because I've been noticing that there's been some good value on underdogs because typically when a star player gets scratched, it typically bodes a little bit better for the underdog because when you have an underdog team, you're going up against Max Scherzer. We saw it on Wednesday. Max Scherzer winds up getting scratched in the first setting. And if you wind up taking the New York Mets, you're all of a sudden getting a whole heck of a lot more value than you thought going into the game. 
Yeah, I think what's been really interesting has been even with my own local books, you know, they've changed the rules that, you know, games can go the distance. If pitchers are scratched, your bet is still active, even though the lines are shifting. So definitely some value on the underdogs there. I think, you know, in terms of the shortened season, also there's a little bit more value to the teams that aren't as good. You know, I think a lot of times you'll see even great teams go through long slumps and there isn't really that window for a long slump to be available at this point. So on any given day, you know, you've got teams like the Diamondbacks who are super hyped coming into the year. You've got the Orioles who obviously are losing to the Marlins, which is pathetic. But all of a sudden, them and the White Sox are looking okay in the division after two weeks. You know, if we were in August, usually in the season, they would already be 15 games back and thinking about 2025. But now all of a sudden, they're not. It's been an absolute roller coaster. You know, I'm grateful that my Yankees have been mashing other than today. And it does seem like there's a bit of a discrepancy, though, on kind of the great teams and then everybody else. You know, I'm thinking about the Dodgers. I'm thinking about the Astros. I'm thinking about the Yankees. Yankees, and I'm thinking about the Twins, and then I'm thinking about everybody else. So I think those four teams are really poised in terms of you know having a great starting rotation as well as just electric bats. Seems like a season, even though batting averages are down early, those heavy hitters I think are going to be you know, pretty key come, what is it, is it October? Is October still the playoffs? I'm not even sure yes, with the playoff. Yeah, good. <laughs> come October, you know, <laughs> if we make there. So trying to just take it one day at a time, looking at lines in the morning, putting out picks in the afternoon. And thankfully, we've been doing okay. You know, we're at a 54% win percentage right now, up a couple units, obviously early season. So trying to be a little bit more responsible than I would be usually in August. And I'm having some fun. And, you know, that's what it's all about, right? It is all about having fun and it's all about making money. As we do have Jeff Cheesby joining me on the podcast. And what else I think is going to be very interesting is that we're going to have a weekend series between the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. As we know, there have been a couple teams that have wound up coming down with COVID. Obviously, the COVID Marlins, who somehow, some way, look actually quite good against the Baltimore Orioles. I don't know how that works, but I'm just so intrigued by some of these teams that they are dealing with COVID-19. It sounds like Yadier Molina along Paul DeYoung wound up getting COVID-19. It's, there were a couple other guys like Junior Fernandez. He's not really a player of note along with Edmundo Sosa. But with that said, I just think that this is one of these series that you do want to highlight because with the St. Louis Cardinals, they trot out their Adam Wainwright on Friday, someone who is a very good pitcher. And the Cubs trot out their guy in John Lester that we all know he's a wily veteran. But I just feel like you don't know what you're going to get with some of these teams because we saw the Brewers come back from their COVID hiatus in the first game, the Philadelphia Phillies, and look the best against the New York Yankees. And then you have the Miami Marlins, and they wind up shutting out a Baltimore Orioles team that was coming off a three-game sleep against the Tampa Bay Rays and just leads to there being just absolutely no consistency whatsoever with these teams. Yeah, no consistency in that time off. It's really hard to quantify, you know, who's going to show up, who's going to be healthy, and and how we're going to bet that. And, you know, I think what's really interesting, especially with a series like the Cubs and the Cardinals, coming into the season, these are two teams that were projected to be within four games of each other in the overall standing. 1.37 p.m. is the article that I write for. 5.38 is a website full of great insights. 5.38 538 had them within four games in terms of that projected. So these games now with, you know, crazy lineups have very significant outcomes for the playoffs coming up here. So hopefully they can feel their best. You know, the Cubs have been inconsistent. They're hitting sometimes. They're not hitting other times. I mean, I guess that's baseball. But nonetheless, you know, outside of those four teams that I mentioned, it seems like every single one of these divisions is very much up for grabs. And I think, again, the shortened season, you know, will benefit a random team that can get hot. A 10 or a 12 game stretch, you know, that could be the difference between winning the division and not. And speaking of a team that has really gotten hot and might be one of those random teams that might be able to make the playoffs, how about the Colorado Rockies? They wind up winning eight out of the first 10 to begin the year. 
they wind up doing well on the road as well because we know the big narrative with the Colorado Rockies is that they always play well at Coors Field, but then when they go on the road, everything is different. They're not at elevation, so the ball is moving a little bit differently and everything like that. What do you make out of a team like that? Because obviously they've got the most distinct home field advantage in baseball, and so far it's been so good, but they're going to be hitting the road over the weekend to face off against the Seattle Mariners, a team that, well, let's face it, the bullpen has not necessarily been great, and I think I'm putting it politely. Yeah, I mean, Mariners, I would toss up there as the worst team in the league, even with the COVID Marlins, you know, sputtering around. I think this Rocky team does have some longevity to it. You know, we look at their starting rotation. You've got German Marquez, who on the road last year was absolutely fantastic. I believe a sub 3-5 ERA at home. That was six plus. So we'll talk about that home field advantage for the hitters. Not always the same case for the pitchers. Of course, we have the ever so volatile John Gray, you know, part of the brothers Gray, as I like to joke about Sonny and John, two of my favorite pitchers in the league. John Gray, though, you know, he's a guy that when he's got a fire, he pitches pretty well. He can get it done. You got Kyle Freeland, who miraculously was great at home, what, two years ago. But this is an okay starting rotation that if they can get it together and just pitch well for, you know, five to eight game stretches, that could be the difference between playoffs and not. Of course, you've got Arnado and Blackman who are going to be hitting bombs kind of regardless of where they are. And they've got some pretty good young stars. So I think this Rocky team is a lot of fun to root for. I love those purple and gray jerseys. I think they obviously smashed the Mariners this weekend. But, you know, I think even long term, I think they could get make a run for the wild card. Probably not win the division because the Dodgers are going to be, you know, at the top there. But hey, you know, this is a short season. Literally anything can happen. And what would be more 2020 than some of these, you know, monster teams faltering and not even making the playoffs? That'd be something. That certainly would be, as we have Jeff Sheesby joining me right here on the podcast, better known as the old man who bets. And I think that this is also going to be a very fascinating series as well. On Wednesday, we wound up seeing Max Scherzer go out of his start after the first inning against the New York Mets. Now it's going to be the Washington Nationals facing off against the Baltimore Orioles that are fresh off their series against the COVID Marlins. A series in which did not necessarily go the best for the Baltimore Orioles, putting it very politely. I have no idea. Where are the bats when they come off of sweeping the Tampa Bay Rays? They struggle with the Miami Marlins. Now they're going to be going up against the Washington Nationals team that has to wind up rearranging their starting rotation a little bit because Eric Fetty won their normal starters. He has to come in in the second inning of that game on Wednesday. So I think that this is one of the most intriguing series that you have. These two teams typically play each other every year in interleague play anyway, but now you've got Juan Soto back for the Washington Nationals, but they have just been stranding the world on base the Nationals have been. And for the Baltimore Orioles, it feels like they give you a great effort on some days. And then when they play against Miami Marlins, all of a sudden they're lost like a snowman at a bonfire when they're trying to hit it. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the Orioles, they're projected to have something like a negative 70 run differential this year outside of means. Cobb, I like Cobb. You know, I think Cobb's finally back from that injury. Pitched great in that first outing. But, you know, we look at these two rosters, you know, in terms of, yeah, the Nationals are leaving people on base, but at least they have the talent to finally get out of that slump. Both these bullpens are suspect at best, but, you know, if you're flipping a coin here, I think the Nationals are going to take at least two of three. Am I going to lay the minus 200 on them? Probably not. So to your point, there could be, you know, a little bit of value in the Orioles on the underdog. But, you know, when they stop hitting, you know, are they going to play up to their competition? Eh, You know, if there's a team that's playing up to the competition, I don't think it's the Orioles. I don't think it's the Mariners. I don't think it's the COVID Marlins. But, hey, you never know. You know, you look at the Marlins, you know, something like Nola has lost his last four starts against Miami. That's absolutely outrageous. So, You know, maybe these teams have a little magic in them, but nonetheless, you know, this is actually, I think, a pretty big series for the Nationals. You know, when you look at them between the Braves, the Mets, the Nationals, and the Phillies, they're all projected to be landing within six games of each other. That's going to be a fight, you know, especially with the Braves losing Soraka, 
that's terrible. The Mets, the Groms look great. They haven't been able to hit at all. I think it was, what, one for 14 with runners in scoring position, 13 left on base a couple nights ago. 10 hits, zero runs. I was on the over, not pumped about it. But, you know, it's like one of those things that all these teams are a little cold. All batters outside of Aaron Judge seem to be a little cold. And they do need to win these games against trash teams. Otherwise, end of the season, it could be tough. So hopefully they realize that. They have that motivation and they come to play. Being a Milwaukee Brewers fan, I can tell you all about cold bats right now as I've been watching them the first couple games of the season, especially Christian Yelich. I have absolutely no idea what's going on there. But is there a team that maybe has gotten off to a little bit of a rough start that you think is going to be able to progress? Because we've been talking about these teams that have been off to a little bit of surprise starts like the Baltimore Orioles, Miami Marlins, the Colorado Rockies. Is there a team that maybe has stumbled out of the gates a little bit that you think is going to be able to rise up? Yeah, you know, I think the Rays are an interesting team. They were supposed to be a little bit better. You know, their hitting has been sporadic. It's something that they did so well last year was just hit for contact consistently. That's been totally missing this year. You know, even like the Indians, you know, you'd think that they'll eventually wake up. They've got the rotation, I think, to make some moves. You know, not that that's a radical call by any means. Everybody thought the Indians were going to be good this year, but there's a lot of teams that are lagging. Look at the Mets, for example, four and eight on the season. Pretty good rotation, pretty good bats. Alonzo looks like a scared puppy when he's batting. He's got his tail between his legs. What is he doing? I don't know. So it's the type of thing where I think all of these teams can bounce back. The Rockies, is that sustainable? Probably not. The Diamondbacks, that loaded roster, also not sustainable. I'd look for them to bounce back as well. But at the same time, we need them to show a little bit of more of sign of life. You know, I'm not trying to predict when the stock market is going to crash or when the stock market is going to turn around, just like I'm not going to necessarily try to predict that the Diamondbacks are turning it around tomorrow until they show me just an ounce of data that shows that they might. So, you know, it's been a crazy season, but, you know, to summarize that, I think you got the Diamondbacks, even the Brewers, probably the Mets, as well as the Indians as your underperformers who should bounce back quickly. Absolutely. As we do have Jeff Sheesby joining me on the podcast. And then one other thing, I know that you're out there in the state of New York. Do you see any team being able to knock off the New York Yankees this year in the World Series? Obviously, anything can happen. But I think that right now, from what we've seen the first two weeks, this team is clearly the World Series favorite. I think that that's really hard to debate at this point. Yeah, you know, when you've got uh, Mr. Angelar batting ninth and not even in the rotation, who was, you know, a Yankee savior two years ago last year with Torres, that is something that's pretty alarming. This lineup is absolutely loaded from top to bottom. Even Brett Gardner is going, hitting home runs the opposite way all of a sudden. It's things like that that make this team, you know, able to win whenever. Even though they lost 11-7, they rallied in the ninth for three or four runs. You know, it feels like they're never out of it. Do they need to address the back half of their rotation? Absolutely. You know, Jordan Montgomery has looked pretty good. I'm pumped about that. Mr. Happ, on the other hand, he's an absolute gas can. The guy's current home run per, per fly ball rate is over 20%. Last year, it was over 18%. And his career average is at 11. So that is a stark contrast. If he keeps giving up the fat ones, you know, we're going to be in a long day there. Maybe you have to look to some more bullpen days. But you know, if anybody's going to knock them off, I think it's going to be one of those teams with the big bats. I'm more concerned about the Twins, honestly, than I am the Astros this year, at least so far. You know, the Astros, again, a great contact hitting team, a great baseball team, won't even get into last year's controversy. But, you know, the Twins have those long bombs. That seems to be kind of the evolving trend here for baseball. Similar to how the NBA is moving to the three, it seems like, you know, baseball continues to kind of optimize towards the less sore batting average, more home runs. And the Yankees and the Twins, and obviously the Dodgers are very well poised for, you know, kind of baseball 2.0 here. Oh, the Twins have been off to an absolutely terrific start. And don't sleep on the pitching as well. The Minnesota Twins pitching so far here in 2020, it has been absolutely superb. And speaking of absolutely superb, that would be you, Jeff. Despite the fact that we've had a lot of craziness the last couple of months, you've been doing a good job of 
being able to keep up with a little bit of everything. You do some work with CBS New York out there in the great state of New York. 1.37 p.m. list goes on and on. Oldmanwhobets.com. So let the good people at home know what you're working on right now and how they're able to follow along on social media. Yeah, you know, just try to take it one day at a time. You know, say it's a great day for a great day, and I generally mean that. You know, what happened yesterday, what happened yesterday, we can't worry about it. All we can do is change right now. So, you know, whether that's sports betting, whether that's fitness, whether that's mental health, whatever it might be, you know, things will get better. It will be okay. And let's just try to build, help each other love love more, hate less, and then obviously cash the tickets. I am right there with you. Just enjoy life. Try to make a little bit of money in the process and have some fun. That's what it's all about at this point, and Jeff does a great job of it. So big thanks to Jeff Sheesby, better known as the old man who bets, for joining me right here on the podcast. Now it is that time the podcast coming up next. They give you a signed total on every game on Friday's MLB betting forward as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Jeff Sheesby, better known as the old man who bets, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a signed total on every game on Friday's MLB betting board as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GRSQuarty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. And little side note here. We have one game that's going to be off the board, but this is the first time that we're going to have 15-plus games with every team in action for the first time since the first weekend of the series. So let's take a little bit of appreciation there, and it's going to begin with 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. You have the Baltimore Orioles hitting the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. As of right now, ESPN says that it's going to be two to be decided for the Washington Nationals. Looks like it's going to be Anibal Sanchez, though. And for the Baltimore Orioles... Tommy Malone is going to be going for them. If you're looking at the O's, you're going to be getting a plus price here. It is anywhere between plus 160 and plus 168. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Nets, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 175 and minus 185. And your total on this game is 9. The overjuice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 180. 20. Meanwhile, the under anywhere between even a minus 110. This is certainly a spot where I'm going to be taking a look at the Washington Nationals. Certainly a little bit of a rough go of it a few days ago when they wound up having their star wind up going out with an injury in Max Scherzer. But Anibal Sanchez, despite the fact that he certainly did not have the best of starts to begin the year, he certainly is someone that was able to get the job done during the postseason. So I do think that that's a little bit of a redeeming quality. And when you take a look at him, he does a good job of just being able to keep the ball in the yard in his first start of the campaign. That necessarily was not the case against the Toronto Blue Jays as the Blue Jays kept belting solo home runs. But I do think that he's going to be able to bring a little bit of something here. And for the Washington Nationals, having Juan Soto back is absolutely huge. He was out for the first two weeks or so of the season due to COVID-19. He is going to be a big boost for this lineup, and they need it because the Nationals are towards the top of the league when it comes to the percentage of guys that get in scoring position that wind up getting stranded on base. You've got Adam Eaton, who's been able to hit right around 257 for this bunch. And Sterling Castro, nice surprise at a 333. Howie Kendrick has been able to give you a little bit of something. He, Eric Thames, Ezrubel Cabrera, all hitting between a 260 and a 265. So they're lumped together. But Trey Turner down for what? who wound up leading the league in stolen bases a few years ago. He has yet to really get going. And for the Washington Nationals, obviously the bullpen is not necessarily great, but you should have Danny Hudson, Sean Doolittle, all those guys active. And for the Baltimore Orioles, when you take a look at Tommy Malone, he's able to give you innings. 
that's about the best thing that I can say for him. He's won eight innings so far and two starts so far this year. 5.63 RA. Looked better in his second start against the Tampa Bay Rays. Five innings that he gave up one run. That was a solo shot, but I certainly do think that this is going to be a little bit of a rough go of it here. The Baltimore Orioles, though it was seven inning doubleheaders, they did have to wind up playing a doubleheader a couple days ago. This is a team that has not had a break in a while. And when you take a look at the Orioles, their offense was finally able to get into gear against the Miami Marlins on Thursday. They were able to get seven runs on the board. Hanser Alberto hitting right around 333 for this bunch. And Jose Iglesias, who was out for part of that series against the Miami Marlins, he's hitting nearly a 380, but you've got guys like Dominic Smith, Austin Hayes, Chris Davis is hitting a 087. He's just absolutely terrible. If you want the textbook definition of a waste of money, it's Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles. And then you've got Vasquez, who also is hitting below a 175 as well. So, got a couple famous bats, but you do have Francisco, who, instead of singing the thong song, is sending the I'm hitting 455 song with a home run on Thursday. So, I do like what he's able to bring to the table. So, I do think that there's going to be a couple runs in this game. So, I'm going to ride with you over, but that's it. I think the Nationals should be able to take this game, and they should be able to take this game convincingly. Right now, as I'm seeing it, run line of the Washington Nationals hovering right around even. You might be laying a little bit. You might be lucky and get a plus 105, but going to go with the Nationals run line along with the total over. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board is up next. Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing with the New York Yankees. Masahiro Tanaka is going to be going for the Yankees. Meanwhile, Blake Snell goes for the Tampa Bay Rays. This was relatively an even price on the open. Money has shifted to the New York Yankees. You're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 107 and minus Minus 112. Meanwhile, if you're looking to take the Tampa Bay Rays, going to be getting them as high as plus 102. Going to be finding them as low as minus 105. And your total on this game is 8. Overjuice anywhere between minus 120 and minus 115. Unders anywhere between even a minus 105. And this is a spot in which I do think that the Yankees bats are going to continue to get going. Despite the loss against the Philadelphia Phillies yesterday, they were still able to get some good swings on the ball. Luke Voigt, if he winds up hitting that ball just a couple feet further in the ninth inning, that turns into an over and most likely a New York Yankees win. Now, I will say this. The Yankees have used up quite a few of their bullpen arms. And Masahiro Tanaka is really being put on a short leash. This is someone that only wound up going three innings in his first start. So you can't think that he's going to be long for this game. But you got to think that more of their trustworthy bullpen guys like Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, and company, they're going to be available for this game. And Blake Snell is just someone that is not impressing me right now. He's made two starts so far this year. I combined five innings. He wound up giving up three runs in his last start against the Baltimore Orioles, the poopy Baltimore Orioles. He does have nine punch outs, but even when he was winning his Cy Young during the 2018 season, this wasn't someone that gave the team a whole lot of length with the Tampa Bay Rays, obviously. You've got a very good bullpen. This is a team that is very adept of being able to adapt, so that is something that is going to be able to help out this bunch, but I certainly do think that the Tampa Bay Rays offense, a little bit of an issue, and that's putting it politely. Hunter Renfro has two home runs, but he's hitting below the Mendoza line. Brandon Lau has been able to hit right around 300. The key for this team is the fact that they've got Austin Meadows back. He is no doubt a very big bat. He has been able to hit ever since coming back at 250 last year. He was hitting right around 300. I do think that you're going to be able to get something out of Jose Martinez who came over from St. Louis in the offseason, but then you take a look at the Yankees. Gio Rochelle is hitting above a 300. Aaron Judge has seven home runs. DJ LeMayu hitting above a 400. Glaber Torres hasn't even gotten going, but yet you've still got Mike Talkman who's been able to do a great job. Aaron Nix is off to a little bit of a rough start, but that's with a 378 on base percentage. You've just got so many bats with this team. I think that runs are going to be a plenty for the New York Yankees, so for that reason, we are going to be riding with New York, and we are going to be going with this total over as well. We move on to 955, 956 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be 
taking on the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia, as it is Vince Velasquez, who is going to be going for the Phillies. Meanwhile, you've got Kyle Wright going for the Atlanta Braves. Relatively a pick and price. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 and minus 108. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Phillies, anywhere between minus 102 and minus 107. So, relative pick them there. This total wound up starting at 10. As I'm seeing it, it's mostly 9.5 with the over anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and even. Now seeing a minus 125 on the over with the under at plus 105. So you certainly are seeing a little bit of movement there. And this, ironically enough, is my New York Post play of the day. And I am all aboard the over. You take a look at both of these starters. They are not good, and that's putting it politely. Kyle Wright wound up having a decent start his last time out, but he's got a career ERA north of a 7.5. A lot of people have been eye on him as a prospect, but the big fear with him is walks. Seven walks given up in six innings so far this year. That's more than 10 walks per nine innings. Obviously, that's going to come down a little bit, but then you look at Mr. Vince Velasquez. He has given up three-plus runs, and I believe now six out of his last eight starts. He has not been good for the Philadelphia Phillies. ERA of a 12 in his first start. He gave up four runs. That is not necessarily terrific. He's always had a big issue with giving up home runs. Velasquez, ever since the beginning of the 2019 season, has given up more than two home runs per nine innings. And you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, they all of a sudden got stronger with Nick Marquez coming back in the fold. He had opted out of the season. He comes back, and then on Thursday, wouldn't you know it, he winds up hitting a walk-off home run for the Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman, who has been dealing with COVID-19, it looks like he's back. He was able to get a home run on Thursday. Marcel Ozuna has been a good pickup on base percentage above a 400 Dansby Swanson. Starting to cool off a little bit. His batting average is back below a 300, but Still a terrific fielder. Does a lot for this team. Got a couple guys that they need to pick it up a little bit. The outfield with guys like Ender Enciarte and Adam Duvall and company have been a little bit hit or miss. So Duvall sitting at 368. He's been a nice surprise. It's really been Austin Riley that's been doing a little bit less. And then you got Ronald Cunha Jr. in a bit of a slump. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies, runs have not been an issue for this team. JT Riomito, three home runs in seven games for this team so far this year. Bryce Harper was able to get a home run in that double dip against the New York Yankees. Didi Gregorius does a great job of being able to get on base. Gene Segura got off to a little bit of a cold start. He wound up getting the day off on Thursday. You gotta think that he's gonna be back in full. Scott Kingery along with Neil Walker. Both of these guys are hitting a buck 25. They're gonna raise up their batting averages along with Andrew McCutcheon and Reese Hoskins. Hoskins only hit about a 235 for the year during the 2000 and 19 season, but his on base is a 387 despite him hitting below a buck 50. So I think that he's going to be able to get a little bit of something going. I think that runs are going to be a plenty here, but I have a lot more faith in the Atlanta Braves bullpen in this spot. You are going to be having guys like Shane Green and company that are going to be available. I have a little bit more faith here in Kyle Wright as well, but I certainly think that both these teams are going to be putting up five plus. So for that reason, we're going with the over and we are going to be riding with the Atlanta Bravos. We move on to 957, 958 on the bang board. You've got the Pittsburgh Pirates and they're going to be walking the plank back home to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Matthew Boyd goes for the Tigres. Meanwhile, it is going to be Chad Cool going for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Your total on this game is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 as well. Tigers find themselves anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 favorites. Buckos are anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110, and the Pirates were finally able to get a win on Thursday. Congratulations to that. Bad news is, this is still a team that's hitting below 225 as a collective. Michael Felice is currently on the 60-day injured list. You've got Clay Holmes, who's currently out as well. Chris Archer is out for the season. 
list goes on and on. Now, I will say Colin Moran has been solid for this team. He's got five home runs. Josh Bell was able to get a home run in that series against the Minnesota Twins as well, but you just take a look at this Pittsburgh Pirates bunch. You just don't have a lot to be had. Now, they do have one guy that's really busted out in Phillip Evans. He's hitting a 344, but he was the only player in the lineup on Thursday that wound up getting in a bat that had a batting average north of 250. That is absolutely pathetic. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. You can say what you will about the Detroit Tigers. And Miguel Cabrera is only hitting a buck 43, but Jacoby Jones all of a sudden is hitting like a 380. He's got a trio of home runs. Jonathan Scope and CJ Crone come over from the Minnesota Twins. Both these guys have multiple home runs. Now, they have been on a little bit of a hiatus. They wound up having their series against the St. Louis Cardinals, wind up getting postponed. So there is a whole lot of that going on, but. You even take a look at someone like a Travis Stemright. He's been able to do a solid job of getting on base. You've got Jody Mercer, who's hit or miss. And Nico Goodrum is a guy that I've always expected to bust out. And every single year, he winds up letting me down. And for the Detroit Tigers... The bullpen has been a little bit more respectable recently. Gregory Soto was a complete failure as a starter last year, but having him come in for an inning or two out of the bullpen, that's actually a good role for him. Jose Cicerno, he's been able to do a solid job. Joey Menez is able to close out a game, and then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. They really had to burn through a bunch of bullpen arms in their win against the Minnesota Twins because they wound up getting a three-inning start once again. It seems like it's been the monocomb of the Pittsburgh Pirates during the 2020 season. This is a team that they really don't have a lot with Chad Cool. He's actually been used as a little bit of a bulk guy because typically opening from is Steven Brault. So you have to wonder if you're going to see that here. And with Chad Cool, he's so far made two appearances so far this year. In five innings, he's given up one run, but he's given up three rocks in the process. He's been a little bit lucky to not have given up more runs. I do think that the Tigers are going to be able to hit him and are going to be able to hit him hard in this spot. So for that reason, we are going to be going with the Tigres and we are going to be going with this total over as well. 959-960 on the betting board is up next. You've got yourself the Miami Marlins sitting the road to face off against the New York Mets. As of right now, this is a game that is completely off the board because the Miami Marlins starter was to be announced. It does look like it will be one Sandy Alcantara that it will be going for them, but as per usual, we're going to need to check back on that. Meanwhile, Michael, and I'm going to do my Pac-Man voice here. Waka, 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 waka. He's going to be going for the New York Mets. Game is currently off the board with waka, 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 waka. He has given up six runs in nine innings so far this year. And the absolute irony, throughout his career, Michael Waka has had a walks problem. Throughout his career, he's had a walks per nine innings of north of four. He's given up three walks so far in nine innings. That's not necessarily terrible. And if you do wind up getting Alcantara in this spot, I do have to take a look at the Miami Marlins, a team that unbelievably has won four games in a row and currently is sitting at 6-1. and one. How why? I don't know. The only way to explain it is that there is nothing that can be explained about how strange this 2020 season is. We're sitting here in early August, and the Miami Marlins have played seven games so far this year. That just shows you what this has all been about. But with that said, you take a look at the Miami Marlins. Aces Aguiar, despite the fact that he's not giving you average, he has hit a trio of home runs. Brad Anderson has been able to give this team a little bit of something. He's hitting above a 300. He was able to belt some bombs during the 2019 campaign. He had a big home run in that double dip against the Baltimore Orioles a few days ago. That's something that you do have to like for this team. Now, you still got so many guys like Jorge Alfaro and company that are currently on the injured list for the Miami Marlins, but John Birdie is someone that was solid for this team last year, only in a buck 82 so far this year, but you got to think that he's going to be able to pick it up, and then Logan Forsythe has been able to do a solid job of getting on base, and then with the New York Mets, 
you've just had a whole lot of issues with the team. Your assessment is why he ends up opting out of the season. Now, Jeff McNeil and Robinson Cano are both hitting above a 340. That has been very solid for this team. Cano has been able to give you 7 RBI. That is something to be had with the New York Mets, so you can have absolutely no faith whatsoever in this just absolutely terrible bullpen. Seth Lugo is really the only guy you can rely upon. Two days ago, he wound up coming into that game against Washington Nationals, gave the team a two-out save. Past that, you really can't rely upon anyone, and then you've got a couple guys that are slumping as well, and Pete Alonso and Dominic Smith, both hitting a 222 or lower. This is going to be an interesting total, because if it's, I would say, 8.5 or lower, I'd be leaning towards the over. With 8.5, it's a little bit of a tough call, but 8 and higher, it certainly is going to be a take on the over, and if you wind up getting a plus price with Sandy Alcantara, I'll probably be looking at the Miami Marlins. Now, if Alcantara winds up not going because he's been dealing with COVID-19 and he doesn't get cleared, then it's certainly going to be dicey, but check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JRS41. That's just my thoughts currently at the moment on this one. 961-962 on the banging board is up next. You've got the Toronto Blue Jays, and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox. This is also one of those nice off-the-board specials as you've got Tanner Rourke, who's going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays. Meanwhile, Ryan Weber is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. Not quite sure why this is a game that is currently off the board, but it is, so there is that. And when I take a look at this game, you do have a Boston Red Sox team that is one of the top teams out there in the major leagues at being able to just get on base and have a good batting average. Christian Vasquez, four home runs, 308 batting average. Kevin Pillar has been hitting a 352, and he's got an on-base percentage a little bit higher than that. That has been certainly something to be had for this team. Alex Verdugo was able to get the team a home run a few days ago to be able to break the ice there. And then Jose Peraza has been okay at being able to get on base. And all of a sudden, Xander Bogarts, after a slow start to the year, he's hitting above a 300 once again as well. Rafael Devers and J.D. Martinez, you got to think, are going to pick it up as well. But then when you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, this is an interesting bunch. They are currently without Ken Giles, who is injured. That certainly hurts their bullpen, and it certainly has been far from formidable. But with the Toronto Blue Jays as well, Teoscar Hernandez at the leadoff spot has been able to hit right around a 300. He's got four home runs. Lords Gurriel has been able to do something. But then you've got guys like Boba Shett along with Vlad Guerrero Jr. They're just not hitting for average right now. Both these guys are hitting a 200 or lower along with Rowdy, Roddy, Telez. You've got Randall Gretchik who's been able to get on base, but this is a team that it feels like they're a little bit all or nothing. I do think that that is something that needs to be pointed out. And Tanner Rourke, a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher that typically doesn't play the best at Boston. This is someone that in his first start of the year wound up going five innings. He gave up one run. That's something that is very nice, but his home runs per nine inning rate, always very high. And with Ryan Weber, he has gotten shelled in his first two starts. 11.57 ERA, seven innings pitch. He has given up seven walks in the process, and he's got as many strikeouts as myself, and he's given up four home runs in the process. When you give up four home runs and you get zero strikeouts in your first two start, that tells you that things aren't necessarily going well. If you're seeing a total on this game, that is, I would say, south of 10.5. It certainly is going to be a take on the over. And then with regards to this game, it's going to depend on the price, because if you're getting the Boston Red Sox as a little bit of a cheap favorite, I might look at them, just because with the Toronto Blue Jays not having Ken Giles available, it is one of those things where it makes their bullpen a little bit of a liability, and with the Boston Red Sox, you were able to rest that bullpen on Thursday as well, so check back in the morning on Twitter feed at Jaren's 41 for some plays there. 963, 964 on the betting board is up next. You've got the Kansas City Royals, and they're playing host to the Minnesota Twins. Devin Smeltzer is going to be going for the Twins. Meanwhile, Jacob Junis goes for the Kansas City Royals. Your total on this game is 9.5. 
Under is just a minus 115, the over is minus 105, and if you're looking at the Twinkies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 160 and minus 165. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Royals is anywhere between plus 150 and seeing as high as a plus 155 out there as well. And this is a situation in which you got to be riding with the Minnesota Twins at a little bit of a bounce back. And I think that Devin Smeltzer is going to be able to do much better than he's done in his first couple innings of the year. Four and two-thirds innings, I believe that he wound up making two long relief appearances that wound up totaling those innings. He's given up six runs, two home runs, certainly not ideal, but you take a look at what he did during the 2019 campaign. He wound up getting a couple starts during that season. It was six total starts, 11 appearances. He wound up posting up a 386 ERA. His strikeout to walk rate was a little bit north of three. Now, home runs can be a little bit of an issue for him, especially given the fact that he winds up playing a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Minnesota, but by and large, he has been pretty solid. He wound up giving up eight home runs during that 2019 campaign, and that was over the course of 49 innings, but he can do a solid job of locating and then you take a look at the other side for Jacob Junis. Wound up making his first start of 2020 a few days ago. Four and a third innings. He wound up giving up two runs in the process. You always have to have your questions with him. Sometimes he's absolutely terrific. Sometimes he's absolutely awful. You're either going to get great Jacob or you're going to get terrible Jacob. There's really no in-between with this guy, which can make it a little bit frustrating. When you take a look at this Kansas City Royals team, they're an all-or-nothing team as well. We saw them against the Chicago Cubs put up 13 runs. Jorge Soler is someone that wound up leading the American League in home runs during the 2019 campaign. He certainly has been a little bit colder with the long ball, three home runs so far this year, but he's been doing a solid job of getting on base 367 on base percentage. Whit Merrifield actually has four home runs. He's been a terrific leadoff hitter for this team, and Mikel Franco has been able to give this team a little bit of pop with Franco. He's hitting a 250. He's got three home runs. You've got a couple guys that need to pick it up. Nicky Lopez along with Nick Heath are both hitting below the Mendoza line, and then you've got Cam Gallagher who's just a complete mess at the plate, but you do have Salvador Perez back. And then we take a look at the Minnesota Twins. This is a team that they could struggle for average a little bit, but Max Kepler has four home runs. Nelson Cruz just does everything. 375 batting average. He's got a bunch of home runs. You absolutely love what he's able to do. I hear Adrianza for some reason gets starts for this team. I don't necessarily know why. He's not necessarily a great hitter. Never has been, but you know who is a very good hitter? That'd be Eddie Rosario. He wound up being able to go deep for this team on Thursday. I like what he's able to bring to the table. 333 on base. And then you've got Mr. Ode. Polanco. Polanco has been hitting right around a 300 so far this year, so I do like what he's able to do. I think that this is going to be a good spot for the Minnesota Twins. I think that they're going to hit Jacob Junis. I think that they're going to wind up hitting Jacob Junis pretty hard, so for that reason, I'm going to be riding with the Minnesota Twins. I do think that Smelter is actually going to give a very good start here. As we know with Kansas City, it is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark as well, which is why we're seeing this total rise from what used to be 9 up to 9.5, so I am going to wind up taking a look at the under as the Minnesota Twins have actually played, I believe it's now six out of their last eight games to the under, so we are going to ride with that to go along with the Minnesota Twins. 965-966 on the betting board is up next. You've got the Chicago White Sox, and they're going to be playing those to the Cleveland Indians. For the Indians, it is one Aaron Savali who's going to be going for them. Meanwhile, Dylan Cease and Decease is going to be going for the Chicago White Sox. If you're looking at the White Sox, finding them anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cleveland Indians, anywhere between even money and minus Minus 105, and your total on this game is 8.5. With the 8.5, the over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105. This is certainly a situation where I'm going to be taking a look at the under. The Cleveland Indians, with their over on Thursday, have played two overs so far this year. I mean, you take a look at the ERA of their starters. It's south of three. 
Aaron Savali has never given up more than three earned runs in any of his starts in his career. He's something like 14, 15 starts in. And with Dylan Cease, you don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him from game to game. His first start of the year against the Cleveland Indians, he went two in the third innings and he gave up four runs. He looked much better against the Kansas City Royals in his last start. Gave up two runs over the course of six innings, but he gives up home runs. He's already given up three bombs so far this year. During the 2019 campaign, it was certainly a little bit of a bugaboo issue for them. That, along with the fact that his strikeout to walk rate was a 2.3. That was not necessarily ideal either. And then you take a look at the home runs I was mentioning a little bit earlier. He gave up 15 home runs in 73 innings. That is not necessarily terrific. And I will say, for the Cleveland Indians, this is a team that certainly is not ripping the cover off the ball. Cesar Hernandez has been hitting a 300 with over a 400 on base. That's been solid. Francisco Lindor has a tree over home runs, but he's only hitting right around a 230. Domingo Santana has actually been banged up for this team. And then you take a look at the other Santana, Juan Carlos Santana. He's hitting a buck 67. I will say 386 on base, but hitting a buck 67. Famio Reyes is hitting below the Mendoza line. Mike Freeman is hitting below the Mendoza line. Domingo Santana also hitting below the Mendoza line whenever he's out there. Oscar Mercado is hitting a buck 32. It's absolutely awful. And then you take a look at the fact that they had a catcher with as many hits as myself and Bo Taylor wound up getting the start on Thursday, and it's not good. Meanwhile, with the Chicago White Sox, this is a team that entered into their game two days ago against Milwaukee Brewers with the top batting average out there in the MLB. This is a team that they're able to put runs up in a hurry. Eloy Jimenez is someone that is able to do a little bit of everything for this bunch. He's got quite a few home runs. He's hitting right in the neighborhood of about a... 270, and then you have to like the fact that you've got Adam Engel going, Luis Robert, Yoan Makata, both hitting a 320 at the top of the lineup, and then you've also been dealing with the injury to Tim Anderson, but with that said, who do you have fill in? You have someone in Loris Garcia sitting above a 300, so I mean, this is certainly a formidable lineup, but I do think that Aaron Savali, much like he did the first time these two teams squared off, he's going to be able to hold it down, and I do think that this is once again going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, but I have much less faith in Dylan Cease than I do in the Cleveland Indians as a collective. Indians have won the top open ERAs out there in the big leagues. And the White Sox with guys like Aaron Bummer and company are solid too. So for that reason, we're riding with the under and we're going to be taking the Cleveland Windians. We move on to 967-968 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing most of the Cincinnati Reds. Trevor Bauer Power is going to be going for the Reds. Meanwhile, you've got Eric Lauer going for the Milwaukee Brewers. If you're looking at the Reds, you're laying anywhere between minus 120 and minus 123. Brewers are anywhere between plus 110 and plus 113 and your total on game, ranging between 8.5 and 8. If you're looking at the 8, the over is just a minus 115, the under is minus 105. On 8.5, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, and the over is anywhere between even a minus 105. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, on Thursday, ding dong, the witch is dead. They finally got a couple runs up on the board, and Christian Yelich wound up hitting an inside the park home run on what should have been a routine fly ball. I mean, sometimes you just need a break to go your way, and Christian Yelich has certainly got one of the most generous breaks I've ever seen in my life, but he was able to have four RBI in the game. You got to give him a little bit of credit there. Jed Gurko was able to give the team a home run as well. That's a little bit surprising. Omar Narvaez, Justin Smoke, both hitting below the Mendoza line. Guessin here has been able to do a little bit of something with the 250. Now, you do have Lorenzo Cain who's out for the season, so Ben Gamble's had to take his place. He's hitting a 207. Ryan Brown's currently on the injured list, but you are at the very least getting a little bit of something, but you take a look at Trevor Bauer. He has come out like a man possessed to begin 2020. He wound up having a complete game in that double dip against the Detroit Tigers. He went seven strong in that one. 13 and a third inning so far this year across 
across his two starts. 20 strikeouts. He has given up one run. That was a solo home run. And for Eric Lauer, this is someone that he was using long relief slash as a starter during the San Diego Padres 2019 season. Now, he's had his successes. He's had his declines. It's one of these things where you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him from game to game. You could tell that towards the beginning of the 2019 season, he was solid. Towards the middle of it, he was okay. And then he just wound up having a massive fall off. So there was that. He does an okay job of keeping the ball in the yard. He wound up giving up 20 home runs over the course of 150 innings last year, so he does a solid job there. He does sometimes give up a couple walks, so he's going to give you up right around like 3.2 walks per 9 innings, so a little bit of pause there with the Milwaukee Brewers. You certainly do have a solid bullpen for this bunch, so they have that working for them and for the Cincinnati Reds. Mike Moussakis not being in the fold is certainly something that has hurt this team. You could tell that they were just absolutely anemic on offense against the Cleveland Indians. Now, we know that the Cleveland Indians are doing a great job of pitching. I just highlighted it, but with that said, really, other than Nick Castellanos, who's hitting at 366 with six home runs. You've got nobody going. Eugenio Suarez is hitting well below a 200 right now. Joey Votto has been a little bit banged up, and even when he's been out there, he's been hitting right around at 237. You've got Jogo Akiyama, who comes over from the MPB of Japan. He's hitting at 216. Jesse Winker has been a liability at the plate. Freddie Galvis, Kyle Farmer, Tucker Barnard all hitting at 200 or lower. Nick Senzel is not necessarily a guy with a bunch of pop. He's hitting right around 240. It's been a little bit of a mess, but with that said, with Cincinnati, I do feel like they've got a massive advantage here with pitching. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, and in the end, in a battle of two scuffling offenses, the Cincinnati Reds pull it out with Trevor Bauer being able to give a good start. So, we are going to go with the total under, and we are going to be riding with the Reds. 969-970 on the betting board is up next. This is the Chicago Cubs, and they're hitting the road to face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. When I was doing my interview with our good buddy Jeff, it was supposed to be Adam Wainwright, and it was supposed to be, according to ESPN, Jack Flaherty as of a couple hours ago, Right now, as I'm reading it on the Vegas betting board, you've got Daniel Ponce de Leon. So, this has been moving all over the place. Meanwhile, for the Chicago Cubs, it has been and still will be John Lester. So, at the very least, you have that. There's one book that has been just re-listing this game left and right. That would be Bookmaker. As I'm seeing it right now, the St. Louis Cardinals are minus 120. And you got the Cubs at even money. So, obviously, you've got poor juice there. And the total on this game is 8. The over is just of minus 115. And the under is minus 105. So, we're going to operate with that right now. Because I have to think that the other numbers in which you had the Cubs at plus 135. Well, they are a little bit obsolete at this point due to all the pitching changes and just flat out not knowing what's happening in general because the St. Louis Cardinals came down with COVID-19. Thank you so much, Pandemic, for screwing this all up. But with that said, what I can tell you about John Lester is that he sometimes has been a little bit inconsistent on the road, but he's been able to get off to a solid start here in 2020. Two starts, 11 innings. He has given up one home run, but he's only walked two. The swing and miss stuff certainly is not where it was the last couple years, but a 0.82 ERA to begin the year. That is something that you like. And with Daniel Ponce de Leon, who I'm assuming is is going to be the starter, obviously. Plays are going to change if he winds up getting scratched, but with that said, this is someone that He's been okay whenever he started. It's just one of these things where it feels like he gives you four or five good eggs, and then when he gets hit, he gets hit hard. It's just absolutely ridiculous. He's made two appearances so far this year. He's got an 0 one record to go with it, 6.75 ERA in four innings. He has wound up getting eight strikeouts, but he also gives up three walks. That's always been an issue for him. During the 2019 season, gave up right around five walks per nine innings. That is something that you do need to take note of, but he actually does an okay job of keeping the ball in the yard during the 2019 season. He wound up 
of giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. So he doesn't necessarily get hit too hard. But And with the Chicago Cubs, you got to think that this is a team that's going to be coming out very angry. They've been a little bit inconsistent with the batting average with Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo both hitting right around 240. But both these guys have hit three home runs so far this year. Wilson Contreras has been a little bit of a constant for this team. He's hitting a 317. However, Victor Garantini's been out there. He has been solid as well. Jason Hayward is currently hitting below the Mendoza line along with Albert Amora Jr. And then you have been able to get a little bit more of something out of Chris Bryant. He's hitting just a buck 85, but he's been picking it up. Jason Kipnis is someone that I like. He's hitting a 375, good offseason pickup. And then obviously, whenever you bring in Craig Kimbrell, it's not good. He was used up in the game on Thursday, though. So Craig Kimbrell not going to be used. That all of a sudden puts a lot more value on the Chicago Cubs. And with the Chicago Cubs, they are actually dead last in the MLB when it comes to bullpen ERA. I think that Craig Kimbrell has two-thirds of that responsibility. And then when you take a look at the Cardinals, they have been ever since the beginning of the 2019 campaign one of the best teams with regards to bullpen ERA. But obviously, you've got a bunch of guys that are dealing with COVID-19, including Paul DeYoung, along with Yadier Molina. So that means that you're going to be relying upon guys like Paul Goldschmidt. Obviously, Goldschmidt is hitting a 316. He's very solid. Tyler O'Neill has a pair of home runs this year, but he's only hitting a 200. You have to wonder what you're going to be able to get out of the St. Louis Cardinals in general. You still are going to have some of your bigger bats, but you got to think that with not having in some of those guys, you're going to need to rely upon Tommy Edmund, Dexter Fowler a little bit more. I still think that there's going to be a couple runs to be had for the St. Louis Cardinals, but certainly give an edge here to the Chicago Cubs because I think that a couple bullpen pieces for the St. Louis Cardinals as well dealing with COVID. So for that reason, as it stands right now with the numbers I gave you with the Cubs right around even money and the total of eight, I'm going to be going with this total over and I'm going to be going with the Chicago Cubs. 971-972 on the banking board is up next. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are hitting the road face off against the Texas Rangers. Jordan Lyles goes for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Griffin Cannon goes for the Halos. If you're looking at the Rangers, you're finding them at quite a plus price here. I am seeing them as high as plus 153. I am seeing them as low as a plus 148. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Angels, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 158 and minus 165. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and even. And this is a situation in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under. You take a look at just how the new Globe Life Park is playing in general. We saw one over in the first, I believe it was six games that the Texas Rangers wound up playing across their two series, but in two series, he saw one over, and that's because the Arizona Diamondbacks just had a complete brain fart in the eighth inning of the final game of that series, and when you take a look at the Texas Rangers, this is just a team that is not necessarily hitting the best right now. Sinchu Chu has been able to give the team three home runs along Joey Gallo, and Joey Gallo is hitting at 250, but you take a look at the Todd Father hitting at 289, Todd Frazier, he's been doing a little bit of something but really past that, you're getting not a lot of average out of anyone else. You've got Willie Calhoun hitting a 0.43. Danny Santana's been on the injured list. Robinson Torinos is hitting a buck 30. Nick Solak's hitting a 2.29. Elvis Andrews is hitting below the Mendoza line. Chu is hitting a 200. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. And for the Texas Rangers, guys like Nick Goody and company have actually been halfway decent in the bullpen. You certainly have a little bit of pause when a guy like Jesse Chavez comes in, but he's certainly not terrible. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Angels. This bullpen has been truly terrible. But you look at Griffin Canning. He's actually coming off a nice start. He wound up going up against the Houston Astros, and he won six innings, and he gave up one run. That's a little bit of a confidence booster. He's got great swing and miss stuff. He just wound up... Not doing a great job of locating in his first season in 2019. 4.58 ERA, 90 and a third innings. He had a K to walk rate of about a 3.2, but he wound up giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings. It just felt like there were some starts in which he was doing a very solid job, and then he would have that one big giant blow up inning. So. 
you always have to keep your mind on that. And for the Angels, what you always have to keep your mind on, all the bats are in this lineup. Ever since coming off of paternity leave, you've got Mike Trout with three home runs. That's ridiculous. David Fletcher, along with Brian Goodwin, are both hitting above a 300. Max Zassi, four home runs at a 333 batting average. This is someone that had, for the longest time, not been able to put it together. So far, so good for him. You even take a look at Anthony Rendon. He's only hitting a buck 33, but a 395 on base. So he's been finding a way on Choi Otani. You tell that he's dealing with a little bit of an injury, but he still winds up going deep for a certain home run on the campaign. Failure as a pitcher, but so far, so good at the plate, but then you do have Justin Upton who's hitting a buck 16. That certainly is not helping out this bunch, but then you take a look at the Texas Rangers and their lineup, and it certainly hails in comparison. For Jordan Lyles, he has been a very inconsistent pitcher. You take a look at what he did during the 2019 season. He entered into 2019 having never won a July start, and then July and August and into September, he was really the ace for the Milwaukee Brewers. So far this year, he has wound up making two starts. They have not gone as planned. A combined six innings, he wound up giving up four runs against the San Francisco Giants in that second start. And what was really bad is the fact that he gave up five walks in those four innings as well. Certainly not necessarily a bright spot. He can sometimes give up some hard contact. Definitely give an edge here to the Angels. But with the way that this ballpark is playing, I'm going to ride with the under as well. So going under and we're going with the Angels. 973, 974 on the betting board is up next. The San Diego Padres are going to be playing out to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Going for the D-backs. It's going to be Luke Weaver. Meanwhile, you got Zach Davies on the bump for the pods. If you're looking at the Padres, going to be laying anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Snakes is anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. Your total on this game is 8.5. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and the same goes for the over. So that makes it nice and easy. Shop accordingly for the juice there. And I do take a look at Luke Weaver, and he has just been absolutely blown up those first two starts of the season. 1473 ERA. He wound up going up against the San Diego Padres about a week and a half ago. He had three solid innings, and then he wound up giving up a six spot in the fourth inning. And against the Dodgers, he wound up looking solid to start with, and then once again, he wound up getting blown up for six runs in that start as well. Combined three home runs given up over the course of seven and a third innings. And what's bigger than that, the fact that he's given up five blocks. He's always been a pretty solid swing and miss guy. He's got 11 punch outs so far this year, but you take a look at what he did during the 2019 season. Very injury riddled. He only won 12 starts. In 64 and a third innings, he did a little bit of a better job of keeping the ball in the yard. Right around .9 home runs per nine innings. Gotta think that he's gonna be able to find a little bit of something. And when you take a look at the San Diego Padres, Going into the week, they were actually the number one rated offense out there in the MLB. I will say they are starting to fall back to earth a little bit, and rightfully so, because you could tell, even in that game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, they just seem to be getting all their runs in like one big inning, but Will Myers has been terrific for this team, hitting a 302 4 home runs. Fernando Tatis Jr., 13 RBI, 294 average. He's got four bombs. Now, you do have a couple guys that they just aren't holding up their end of the bargain. Guys like Francisco Mejia, Josh Naylor, and Jerickson Profar, who is just absolutely useless. And Manny Machado's only hitting at the Mendoza line as well. He was obviously a waste of money. Timey Pham has been able to give this team a little bit of something. 351 on base. And Trent Grisham, three of home runs for him. I really like what he's able to do. And then with Zach Davies, this is someone that has never been a great swing and miss guy. You're not going to call on him to be able to get 10 plus punch outs in a game. But what I do like about him is that he does Typically, a good job of keeping the game out in front of him. He wound up getting a little bit dinged up towards the middle of the 2019 campaign with the Milwaukee Brewers, but two starts so far this year. He's won five innings apiece in both of them. He wound up giving up two home runs at Coors Field, but as we know, Coors Field plays a little bit differently than pretty much anywhere else. Him being in San Diego and this being a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, I think is going to play to him very well. For the Diamondbacks, they've been able to bust out the last two games with their offense. Five runs on Thursday, 14 runs against the Houston Astros, but you take a look at the 
first time these two teams played. I think that they got to four runs just once in that series. That no doubt is an issue. Cole Calhoun is only hitting a 214 for the D-backs. Meanwhile, you've got Cattell Marte and Sterling Marte both hitting above a 340. Christian Walker's hitting above a 300 as well. But other than David Peralta, you've pretty much got everyone else in this lineup hitting a 225 or worse. So that is something that has you scared a little bit. I do think that Davies is going to be able to give a solid start in this spot. And I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think that Luke Weaver is going to be able to do a better job. But when you take a look at the Padres bullpen, I know that Kirby Yates has been inconsistent, but you saw Matt Stram. Stamen is one of the best eighth inning guys that you're going to find out there in the league. Drew Pomerantz is back as well. I do think that that's a big advantage for the pod. So for that reason, we are going to be going with San Diego in this spot, and we are going to be going with the total under as well. We move on to 975-976 on the betting board. The Houston Astros are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Going for the swing at Oakland A's. It's going to be Chris Bassett. He has us hook, line, and sinker. Meanwhile, Zach Greinke is going to be going for the Houston Astros. If you're looking at the Astros, going to be getting them very cheaply, actually, in this spot. You're finding them as low as minus 102, as high as a minus 108, and that's pretty much the same for the Oakland A's. As low as minus 102, as high as a minus 108, and your total on this game ranging between 9 and 8.5. On the 8.5, overjuice anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105, and if you're looking at the 9, the under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between even and plus 105. And I do think that Zach Greinke is going to be able to give a good start in this spot. With Zach Greinke, he wound up having his start pushed back a day so that way he could just regather himself. He was supposed to make his return trip to Arizona, but that certainly did not happen. First start of the year, he wound up going three and a third innings against the Seattle Mariners. Did not go as planned, but keep in mind, during the 2019 season, he wound up having a very rough start in his first time out. He gave up four bombs to the San Diego Padres. And then from there, the rest of the year, he gave up like .75 home runs per nine innings. So he was able to find himself in his last start. He went more like five and two-thirds innings. Looked like the old Zach Cranky, so that is solid. And this is certainly someone that doesn't quite have the same velocity as he had a couple years ago. And then you take a look at Chris Bassett. He's been very solid in two starts so far this year. Nine and two-thirds innings, 12 strikeouts. He does sometimes get a little bit walks happy. He only gave up one walk in the first two starts, but during the 2019 campaign, gave up more around three and a half walks per nine innings. He can certainly get taken deep a little bit as well, but he certainly has been able to collect himself with the Oakland A's. Bullpen has been solid. You've got in there someone named Liam Hendricks who is one of the best closers that you're going to find out there in the MLB. J.B. Wendelkirk does a good job of being able to set things up and the Mets are starting to get going for the Oakland A's as well. Matt Olson, three home runs in the team's last two games. That's certainly going to fly. You've got Matt Chapman who's still hitting below the Mendoza line but he was able to get a home run in that series against the Texas Rangers. Ramon Loreno has been able to hit a 295 and that's big because he was the only player in the starting lineup for the Oakland A's Thursday that wound up leaving the game with a batting average of a 250 or greater. Steven Piscotty's been able to give the team a little bit of something but Still got Marcus Simeon hitting a buck 79. That's not like him. And then for the Houston Astros, they certainly have been able to do a good job of being able to put back to ball. You do have a couple guys that are scuffling, especially George Springer and Jose Altuve. Both of these guys are hitting below the Mendoza line. Alex Bregman, though, he's starting to find his power. He was able to get a home run in that game against the Arizona Diamondbacks on Thursday. He still is only hitting about a 235 for this team. But Michael Brantley hitting a 390 on base percentage above a 460. That's been solid. Yoli Gurriel has been able to give the team a bit of something. Carlos Correa hitting a above a 380 is certainly going to fly with this team, but the bottom of the lineup has really come back to earth. Kyle Tucker and Martin Maldonado both hitting below a 225. You've got the Marine layer out in this game, and we know this with the Oakland A's. They just do not hit right-handed pitching the way that they do lefties. Zach Greinke is a righty. I think that he's going to be able to do a very solid job in what I think is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. So we're going to be riding with the under in this spot, and we're going to be taking the Houston Astros. 977-978 on the banking board is up next. The Colorado Rockies are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. 
Yusei Kikuchi is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. Meanwhile, Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105. And this is pretty much a pick'em game with the Seattle Mariners. You're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 102 and minus 108. And the same goes for the Colorado Rockies. And this is certainly a spot at which I'm going to be riding with the Colorado Rockies. Now, with Antonio Sensatella, he wound up having a north of 6 ERA during the 2018 season. That was not necessarily ideal, but he actually pitched better on the road than he did at home. That's something that stands out to me and his first two starts of the year looked very good. A combined 11 innings, 2-0 record. He did not give up a single home run. The four walks are a little bit unsightly, but he did a better job of getting swings and misses. He was only getting right around 5 punch outs per 9 innings during the 2019 season. He's already got 9-11 and 11 innings so far this year. And for Yusei Kikuchi, actually a quality start his last time out against the Oakland A's, but I will say this. It's an Oakland A's lineup that is badly struggling, and for the Colorado Rockies even in their road game so far this year, they've really been able to get the job done. You've got Trevor Story. He's got five chapters in his home run book. Five home runs so far this year. I believe that five of them are solo shots. And then for Charlie Blackman, he's been hitting right around a 400. He was able to go deep on Thursday. Nolan Arenado, from a batting average perspective, he certainly hasn't been the best so far, but he was able to get a pair of home runs in that series against the San Francisco Giants. You've got Matt Kemp, who's able to get things going. On base percentage, hovering right around a 400. Garrett Hampson, along with Chris Owings, both hitting above a 285. You like to see that. And for the Seattle Mariners, the offense has been very inconsistent. Kyle Lewis has really been able to do some very good things for the team. He's hitting a 385. He's got a trio of home runs. And then Kyle Seeger hitting a 300 with 14 RBI. That is something that you'd like to see. But you've got J.P. Crawford, who's been doing a solid job again on base. Been a little bit hit or miss recently, but by and large, he's been able to do the job. You've got Dylan Morris hitting a 333. He was able to hit a home run in that series against the LA Angels as well. But then you've got the bottom of the lineup. D. Gordon, Malik Smith, along with Hudson at the catcher spot, and then you got a young first baseman in Evan White. All these guys are hitting a buck 30 or lower with a 200 on base or lower. You've got really a top heavy lineup for this team. Tim Lopez, whenever he's out there, he's been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base, but I do think the Colorado Rockies should be able to take Yusei Kikuchi to the woodshed with Kikuchi. Two thirds of his career starts have went over. This is a guy with a career ERA hovering right around a 5-4. I think the Rockies are going to hit him, and they're going to hit him hard, so for that reason we're going to be riding with Colorado, and we're going to be taking this little over, and we wrap things up with 979-980 on the betting board. You've got the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they're going to be playing us to the San Francisco Giants. Now, the Giants have been doing some maneuvers with their pitching staff, to say the least, but as of right now, it is going to be just a margin going for them. Meanwhile, you've got Julio Arias, who's going to be going for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Your total on this game is 9. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Dodgers, it's anywhere between minus 245 and minus 260. Meanwhile, plus price here with the Giants, aka the Giantes. It's anywhere between plus 220 and seeing as high as a plus 230 out there as well. And with Jeff Samarja, it has not been a good start to the year for him so far. Two starts, nine and two-thirds innings, and he has given up in the process 10 runs, and he's given up three home runs. Certainly not necessarily the best. And for Julio Arias, this is someone that was a rising star a few years ago. He wound up having Tommy John surgery, and so far so good here in 2020. He has a 245 ER in his last start against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Looks solid. Six innings pitch. He did wind up giving up two runs, but he only gave up one walk after dishing out three to the San Francisco Giants in his last start. And in his
his last start against the Giants. That was a 3-1 loss for the LA Dodgers. He wound up going five innings and that one gave up one run. He was a tough luck loser. That one, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a team that's actually been hitting very well. Donovan Solano is hitting a 465 with 13 RBI. That is insane. Mikey Sremski, a 320 with three home runs. That's absolutely terrific. Darren Ruff has been able to do a very good job of being able to get on base. You've even got Wilmer Flores who's hitting above a 300. Evan Gloria has been able to give the team right around a 270. You've got a bunch of guys that I just feel like are playing above their skis right now. They wind up having a catcher by the name of Chadwick Trump coming in for Evan Longoria, and he's probably better than what Evan Longoria would be to this point. 275 average, a pair of home runs recently. That has been huge. I think that there's a lot of regression coming in for the San Francisco Giants. With the San Francisco Giants, they've also really had to go to the pen. They were able to get five innings out of Tyler Anderson, but they wound up having to bring in behind them five relievers, a couple guys that were on their second straight day. It's just one of these situations in which Gabe Kapler is just using every single one of his pitching arms. I have a feeling it's really going to catch up to this team. I think that one, Julio Arias, is going to be able to give a good start. And for the Dodgers, I do think that their lineup is going to be able to get online. Cody Bellinger has been just off to a rough start in general. He's hitting below a 225. But A.J. Pollock, three home runs. He's hitting a 324. Corey Seager, he's hitting a 350. Mookie Betts has been off to a little bit of a tough start, but you know that he's going to be able to pick it up. And then you've got Max Muncy hitting a buck 76. That certainly is not going to last for very long. Jock Peterson was able to get some home runs in that series against the San Diego Padres. Will Smith has not been getting jiggy with him with a 180 two batting average, but he's still finding a way on base with a 345 on base. Kike Hernandez has just tortured the Giants so far this year. I think that this is a very good spot for the Dodgers. I do think that the Giants are going to be able to scratch across a couple runs, but I think that this is just going to be a pulverizing game for the Dodgers. I'm looking at their run line. Anywhere between minus 135 and minus 140 is what I'm seeing on it. We're going to be taking that along with the total over, and then we'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Friday. A big thanks to our guest, Jeff Sheesby, aka the old man who bets, for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you ever have a question for the podcast, fire it in my timeline at Jairus41. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well, and we'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you.